know I'm back, like I never left. I never left. Another sprint, another step. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Practicing the Pillars podcast, where every airman is a leader. Lead yourself first and others will line up to follow. We are so glad you've joined us today. Hey everybody, this is Graham. I'm joined today by Morgan and an incredible storyteller this person that we're going to talk to today is a person that's been through war she's been through homelessness she's been through poverty she's been through separation from family bullying and she speaks four languages ladies and gentlemen the incomparable the lady the myth the legend vera schwank say hi vera hello graham how's it going i am fantastic morgan how are you today I'm doing well. How are you? Great. So this is an amazing story. This is a person uh, that has been through some pretty incredible things, Vera. You've been through, uh, like I said, lots of circumstances and life situations that that for most people, um, any one of those things would be so unbearable that they would question whether or not they'd be able to make it through. Uh, but But... Your story is one of not just making it through, but your story is a story about coming out stronger and coming out glorious. Uh, and and so we're really excited to talk with you. We're really excited to hear your story, and uh, I just I just I just want to hear your story. But before we do that, um, there's a rumor that you speak four languages. Is that actually true? Yes, sir. Um Я могу говорить по-русски. Бен Туркче, Кунишиорум, Джанга, Кыргызча, and English. What did... Yeah, what did you just say? Um, at first I just uh, <laughs> said in Russian that I can speak in Russian. How do you, wait, then, how do you say it? Я говорю по-русски. Я говорю по-русски. Yes. <laughs> nice. Now Graham speaks Russian. Okay, now I speak Russian. Next. <laughs> then in Turkish I said uh, as well, um, I can... Turkish and How do you say that in Turkish? Close enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in the end, I just kind of added N Kyrgyz, so Janga Kyrgyzja. Kanya Kyrgyzja. No, not at all. Not even close. <laughs> People, unfortunately, cannot see you making a face while you try to speak. Language I feel like I feel like my Vera face is. I feel like my face. Uh, I have a face for radio. Well, you don't have a face for foreign language. <laughs> that's that's for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so uh, we want to tell stories about uh, about how you practice resilience in your life. Uh, Vera, tell us a little bit about your story. Start from maybe the the beginning uh, of the Kyrgyz Revolution. Maybe that's a place. To start, so the first Kyrgyz revolution, uh, well, not the first, but the first I was, I, I, I distinctly remember, happened in 2005, and at that point, me and my American father and Kyrgyz mother were living in what was called a political region, but it's not like because politicians live there; it's because uh, a lot of very poor people lived with a lot of very rich people on the same stretch of road. In so Kyrgyzstan. In Kyrgyzstan, yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, just, um, it was scary for us because. <laughs> Uh, people were raiding and looting and um, with 
a beautiful side of a revolution and political change. Sadly, in Kyrgyzstan also comes a lot of violence, sadly. I think that happens in a lot of places um, across the world, but they kind of shadow over the violence and kind of show only the gl- glorious, amazing, revolutionary stuff. Mm. Um, but we were very scared for our lives that time, just simply because I was I was really young. But I remember my dad running around, letting the dogs out, um, getting his gun ready and this and that, simply because we were afraid that we we're going to be raided because we had one of the bigger houses. Um, he told us to hide in the bathroom. But that day a giant storm hit, so no raidings happened in our, on our street. So that w- we, were, we got lucky then. Uh, the next revolution was in t- 2010, and that was when my parents were separating. So I was going to a school in the middle of the city. Um, that time, I, rem- I distinctly remember uh, the teachers uh, calling all the students up in one in the auditorium and just uh, scrambling and being super nervous and just telling us to all go home in the middle of the day, and we were like, "Cool!" So, <laughs> <laughs> and as I was walking down the street to the bus stop, I rem- distinctly remember I never heard like actual gunshots before. I remember hearing these loud booms, these noises. I was like, oh, is there fireworks going on in the middle of the day? That's kind of weird. But uh, the streets were empty. The bus was very late. And um, w- when I got home... Hold on, hold on. Time out. So you were at school. Yes. War broke out. Yes. While you were at school. Mm-hmm. And then your teacher said, go home. They didn't want to... Um, and then you you got on the school bus... No, it's not a school bus. It's public transportation. You got on the public transportation bus Mm -hmm. and paid your bus fare and rode the bus home during a war breakout. Yes. Now, looking back at it, it's crazy. You drove through a war zone on a public bus (laughs) to get home. uh, My school was a few blocks away from the White House. That's why I was so close. But... Um, as I was driving b- down the street, I, n- I haven't uh, run into anything. So, but uh, for the next few days, uh, we, w- we were all told to stay home. And because I there was a war going yeah. on, so don't come to school. Yeah, so yeah that makes sense. And uh, my parents couldn't pick me up because they drove a very expensive car, so that would get looted and raided as soon as they would drive into the whole mass. And how old were you at the time? Oh, at the time, mm-hmm. oh, I was like, I was about 12 I think twelve sure. years old, mm-hmm. public bus, war zone. Pretty much, it was, wow. but I didn't realize that at the time. Now looking back at it, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So then, break, break a little bit. Your your dad comes back to the United States. You stay with your mom. No, my my uh, my father stayed in Kyrgyzstan for a very long time. Um, even after my mom and dad separated, I kind of just lost contact with him while we. Well, he was still in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, I moved to America. He was still in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, from from what I remember, from what la- I, I last heard about him, is he moved to America as well. But I have not heard anything from him. So, And what prompted you coming to America? Me coming to America. So I moved to America when I was about 16. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, I moved to America when I was 16. And um, I just wanted a better life for myself. Um, I had... A f- um, well, being in Kyrgyzstan felt very restraining for me, simply because a lot of future prospects rely- relied simply on your gender mm. or family ties. 
And my family didn't have a lot of ties in workplaces that I would like to work in. You know, it's mostly uh, tailors or foreign marketers. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't really doing really good in school simply because um, I was going to this Lyceum, which is a boarding school, all-female Muslim boarding school. And um, I felt like I was discriminated against by the teachers and the students. So there were several instances of teacher abuse that happened. And I am extremely grateful that I got out of that environment. Is, is teacher abuse... I mean, I feel like when I was a kid, I was guilty of teacher abuse. <laughs> you mean, uh, you don't mean kids abusing teachers. You mean teachers no. abusing kids. Um, yeah, I have, I felt, I, yeah, I, I have. Uh, My teachers felt, hated me when I was a kid. <laughs> I felt a lot of times, because we have a great uh, respect for our teachers. It's a, a cult, it's a part of our culture, which is a great thing, because teachers are very important, but a lot of, Teachers also take that for granted. Um, some of um, I had a physics teacher that just gave me hell. Um, there's a whole big story about it. I, re I really don't want to go into it. But he was a, a man who really didn't like women speaking their mind. And he just really didn't, didn't like me. Hmm. <laughs> because one time I told the vice principal that he smelled. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. He <laughs> he kicked me People out of the. People don't usually like being told that they stink. Yeah, I I didn't want to tell him to tell him that into his face. But uh, long story short, I tried to move away from him in, in class, and he was like, "Vera, come back to the place you were before." And I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't. I can't see from the front of that. I can't see from the front desk." And he was just like, "Okay, go to the vice principal if you're not listening to me." I went to the fi uh, vice principal, whose fun fact name was Shakir Bay, so we all called him Shakira, and that was hilarious. Shakira. And uh, he uh, he laughed because I told him that uh, I'm sorry I can't sit in front of on the front desk because this teacher smells really bad. And he was <laughs> and he and he laughed and he gave me a permission slip to sit in the back a permission slip from the vice principal. And th that's when it all started. Then he hated me since ever since then. <laughs> One time he didn't accept my test because I doodled on it. It was it was ridiculous. Um, my Kyrgyz teacher. I had um, big problems learning Kyrgyz growing up simply because no one in my household spoke Kyrgyz. My father was American, my mom is Kyrgyz, but we spoke Russian, English, and I learned Turkish because I had great Turkish teachers, but we don't have a really good system of learning Kyrgyz. Excuses, but I didn't really know Kyrgyz really well when I first met this, this teacher, and she would just give me hell on earth, and no matter how hard I try, I never felt like I could, have sa I could satisfy her I made presentations, I worked on my level, but it was really hard. And like sometimes she she would cuss out at me in Kyrgyz in front of the whole class. It was horrible. She she called me a dirty pig one time. So this was after the war. Now you're in a school and you're struggling with language barriers and the teacher who's supposed to be teaching you the language um, is ridiculing you for not knowing the language. Yeah, I think my biggest problem with wow. not knowing, learn, not being able to learn is just the stress that was caused by the teacher. I was terrified to go in front of her, and she would always give us, our homework was to learn a poem, and I couldn't t tell it to her because I was terrified of her. Like, my voice would start shaking in front of her, and yeah, stuff like that really got me down. <laughs> so I really wanted to cha a change of scenery, I really wanted something to somewhere to feel included. Mm. Um, 
because um, I was not Muslim and I was not um, Asian looking. It was uh, I was stereotyped against pretty bad, mm. and so that's why I it it was really hard to fit in. So you decided you wanted to leave and come to America, and you could do that because by virtue of your father's citizenship, you were a citizen, and you could come to the United States. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And so who did you live with when you got here? I lived with my grandparents from my father's side, and I've never met him, met them, met my grandparents before I moved to America. So um, I never knew what they were, what they were like. I talked to them on the phone. But they always sounded sweet and kind, and they were. But um, they're very money-centered. So I had to pay rent, 200 to $250 a month to sleep on their couch. I when you were 16? When I was 16, yeah. Wow. So I barely ate in the house because I had to go to school. Then I worked in the McDonald's. And it was, it, it was, just, it was just hard because they were also pretty mm, old, old-fashioned, I would say. Uh, they would try to ban me from speaking Russian in ha- at in home at home because I couldn't because my uh, my friends couldn't speak English so I would talk to them in Russian like normally but my grandmother thought that I was talking poorly be- about her behind her back and that's why I was talking a different language and when I was like my friends don't know don't know English <laughs> she was just like well I guess they should learn and I was like <laughs> they didn't live here they no. were friends from back home yeah I would FaceTime them yeah so they were pretty old-fashioned. It was kind of hard to find. I mean, I loved them. They they gave me a great opportunity, and it was really wonderful to live with them. They were they gave me the opportunity to live in America. But there were some things about them that was just very hard to deal with. But it's okay. So you're living with your you're living with your grandparents, and then you you mentioned to me a while back when we were talking about this, that your decision to join the military. Um, can you talk a little bit about your decision to join the military and how you how you thought about the military previously and, and, and how you think about the military now? Absolutely. Um, so during the revolutions, the military was usually called on to as a um, way to control the population. And population control would be rubber bullets and gas and um, sticks that beat that beat people up, and to beat people up, and it was um, it was not a positive picture in my mind. Um, moving to America, I've I've never really experienced a positive image of the military before. But when I came here, it was crazy because everyone loves the military, support the troops, um, thank you for your service, and it was just amazing. I have never experienced that before, but um, I'm talking to a recruiter that came for a job fair to our school. He also told me about these amazing benefits, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Because my goal was to get an American education when I moved to America, but then I kind of miscalculated, and I realized that I can't afford it for the <laughs> life of me. <laughs> and um, I can't get a loan out because uh, no one would give a loan to a an 17-year-old school graduate, or well, and uh, my parents weren't there, so they can't get a loan from an American bank. So <laughs> I was scrambling, but that wasn't my only reason to join the military. 
just a lot of this positive. Oh, and my mother, uh, she she never really talked to me before about military stuff, but she used to work as an interpreter in a military base, Gansi, in um, in Kyrgyzstan. And when I kind of like like start talking about the prospect of me joining the military she got, she was really really supportive because she was like yes american military is so amazing i don't know why i thought i didn't think about it before because the benefits they give is amazing the camaraderie is so cool i loved working with those people and i was like okay mom okay cool cool so after so so you you had a perspective of the military before where the military was used as a tool in the hands of the government to control the population. Yes. You mentioned one time that um, the that the police were not allowed to bear arms in your home country, but yes. the military was. Mm-hmm. They were the only people. Citizens could not bear arms. Police could not bear arms. Only the military. Then you get this picture of the American military, um, and it's not uh, an organization that is designed to control the population um, or to control the citizens uh, but but actually, it's an organization that's geared towards um, protecting people, um, providing for the common defense, and promoting the general welfare, and all these all these really great ideals that that, that we have uh, as citizens. And 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 you were able to pick up on that difference. Yes, I um, and my um, oh another thing, my grandfather's daughter so he's not my natural grandfather my uh, my grandmother remarried and but his daughter was in the army and she also talked to me about the military I talked to the recruiters I talked to the school co- like I talked to a lot of people it was a big decision and um yeah she told me that it was fa- it was it's amazing it's a great opportunity and she recommended the air force for um just the better benefits I don't want to say yeah. this is that bad. that's okay we, we think the Air Force is the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you, so you, so at this point now in your life, you have, you've been through, you've been through a war a couple of times, a couple of revolutions. <laughs> uh, you have, uh, you have learned four different languages. You have traveled to a different country. Uh, you have, you're now joining the military. In all of that, uh, what, what was what was the most difficult um, experience? What was the hardest thing for you to work through in, in all of that? And I know that we've just barely scratched the surface of all of the things that you've encountered. But but you look back, what was the hardest thing? The hardest thing was to leave my friends and family and my mom especially because she just beat cancer. So there was a lot of things she couldn't do. She couldn't... Um, she couldn't lift heavy objects. She couldn't be out in the sun for too long. And um, leaving her was a big step. I mean, it was a f- like a couple years after she beat cancer, but she was still pretty. Uh, I was worried about her, and um, she was worried as well. But her dream as well is to come to America. She wants to move here. I just filed her immigration paperwork today. Whoop, whoop. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so... Um, um, that's why, uh, al- although, of course, her first and foremost reason was for a better life for me and my little brother uh, to send me to America first. Now, can you talk about your brother? Okay, yes. 
My little brother's name is Joseph Edward Schwank, and he has been living with me since April of 2018. And he is, at the moment, he is almost 16 years old, and he's going to junior, uh, junior, junior reserve, um, ROTC, yeah, J-R-O-T-C. reserve <laughs> officer training corps, junior, uh, junior ROTC, reserve, awesome. Junior ROTC, and he loves it. He's in the Raiders team. They do some crazy stuff. They run a lot. They do a lot of crazy stuff. It's just amazing what they make those kids do. But yeah, he loves the military. That's another thing he loves. And he's living with me and... He was officially approved. My, I got custody of him today. It was a big day, I know, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. So you're, how old are you, Vera? I'm 21. 21. You have you're a survivor of 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 a of, of two revolutions, relocating to a new country. You're a basically a parent now of a teenager <laughs> who's your brother. Uh, your mother had cancer. You 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 cared for your mom through that process. I, I, I'm just listening to all this, and it, it, I think I said at the beginning, one of those things, going through a revolution um, or moving, having to move to relocate to a different country. Alone. Alone. As a teenager. As a teenager. It, uh, one of those things <laughs> would feel like too much uh, for, I'm just thinking about me, what, when I was 22 years old, I mean, I was an airman in the Air Force, uh, and the hardest thing I'd ever gone through at that point was junior high <laughs> and, like, basic training. Like, that was it. Yeah. So I, we talk about, like, what you have to do every day in order to be the person that you are because it's not – we're talking about a lot of stuff that you overcame and that you've been through and you've experienced, but you're smiling the whole time we're sitting here. <laughs> you can hear it in your voice how proud you are of who you are and, and everything that you've done in your life to become the person that you are, the woman that you are. What are those, what are your values? Like what, I mean, you get up every morning and you do what? What do you focus on and what do you, what do you teach your brother is important? Absolutely. Um, so just taking it one step at a time, not overthinking anything too much, just um, thinking, of course, uh, foresight, thinking in the f- to the, into the future, planning, but not overthinking, not overbearing. For my little brother, it's uh, hard work, absolutely hard work, uh, first and foremost. Um, it's, ve- it's very important if you want to succeed in anything in life, you have to work hard. Um, remembering and thinking about everything I overcame and making sure that it's... <laughs> Everything I overcame and making sure that it's all worth it, worth it in the end. Family, friends, uh, surrounding yourself with a good support system. So you you talk about, I I remember the first time that we met, um, you talk about support systems. And the first time that we met, we were at the Stealth Lounge. And you came in and you were uh, there with the OLA uh, group, which is, what does that acronym stand for? Hispanic Organization of Latin Americans. Hispanic Organization of Latin Americans. And I uh, automatically assumed that you were um, Hispanic uh, or part of the Latin American community, right? And then we start talking and you start telling me the story. I'm like, wait, wait, no, like you're not. Um, You don't even speak Spanish. Like (laughs) you should. (laughs) That's one of your languages. Uh, That's your next language, right? I really want to learn Spanish. Next, Spanish is next. So so, um, what is it? 
And normally people think like, oh, I can't, I can't, if I'm not part of like, if I'm not of Hispanic, you know, origin, then I can't be a part of Ola. Um, but, but your, your approach is not that at all. Can, can you talk about that? Cause it surprised me <laughs> when I found out you, you're not Hispanic, but you're part of Ola. Um, and, 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 and I, I asked you about that one time and, and you talked a little bit about, um, about inclusivity being really important to you and, and diversity uh, and, and, and how you learn from that. So just tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So coming from a place where inclusivity and diversity was not a good thing, like Kyrgyz people be with Kyrgyz people, Kazakh people be with Kazakh people, Uzbek, Russians, all separate. And um, that, I hated that. And the one show I was watching on TV was Glee. And that was the no. one. No, <laughs> that was the one. That was my uh, guide to America. Glee I, was your guide to America? I know, it's so That's crazy. Awesome. And every time I say it to an American, they're like, oh, I chose the wrong thing. And I'm like, you know what? It helped me this far. Anyway, I love this inclusivity, the amazing community and diversity. And just the notion of that was so amazing to me that all these amazing people, whatever backgrounds, could come together and be to, and be friends and be and enjoy doing Stuff they love to do, party, sing. I spent I spent three days in a Bavarian hospital one time, and I had two dudes on either side of me. <laughs> one guy's guide to America was Star Trek, and the <laughs> other guy's guide to America was Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff, and, and that's all <laughs> they wanted to talk to me about. So I get it, like you you get this you get this window into the culture, um, and then and then you're like, oh, it's not that, but 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 Glee, there's a lot of diversity in Glee. Yes. And and that's something that you picked up on that you wanted to be a part of and you came you came here and you just ran for it. You just you just went for it. You <laughs> had that ideal, that goal, that desire to be a part of a diverse community and you just went and did it. Yes, and one of my uh, best friends, uh, Ingrid Wolfolk is the president of Ola and uh, Ingrid is awesome. She is. Yeah. And um, when she was putting together the organization because she was she inherited fr- inherited from um um, it was it was sinking. It was a ship that was going down. She inherited it, and she she brought it back up. She she made it shiny and sparkly, and now we're and her focus, her alma mater, is just diversity and making a a place where people could come together and break stereotypes, destroy yeah, that. That's awesome, and just have fun in as uh, through. Hispanic culture, which she's more familiar with, obviously. But you guys also pair up with other organizations. You're doing something with the African American Heritage Group now, right? Yes, uh-huh. Uh huh. We're having a, a a pool party with them actually this month. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they're amazing. Yeah. So we're partnering up. Um, more diversity, better community. So you build on relationships. You bring this idea of inclusivity, diversity hard work, you bring that to your home, you bring that to these other organizations that you interact with. I'm sure you bring that to your work. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who you are at the core. When you and I spoke the other day, one of the things that we talked about was coming here and culturally wanting to be who you were, to find your own way and to become the woman that you saw inside yourself. Do you feel that you are going after that goal still, that mm-hmm. you're on your path? I mean, that's that's integrity, right, to, to live to the full extent of who you are Absolutely. and what you believe in? 
Absolutely. And yes, I, I'm trying to be the best version of myself. I think the military has an amazing environment for that. Uh, just the structure of the military helped me really realize what I want to do with my life. And um, I love writing, so I keep I keep writing every day. After um, I'm getting an an IT management degree at the moment, but uh, my my goal is to be published one day. So that is one thing that is one thing that I'm I'm really excited about. Other ways I really want to stick to myself and um, make sure that working to my fullest potential is just again working hard, making sure my family is taken care of. Because my family and friends are a big part of me. I think everyone's family and friends are a big part of them as well. And just supporting everyone I can. If, if, they have a positive, if they're doing something positive and something amazing, I think it's important to support one another. So it's really, it's really easy to hear the, the joy in your voice. And um, I wish people that were listening could see just the joy um, in your smile and just... just the, the presence that you have, but it would be really easy to see that and think that you're just always that joyful and you're just always that happy. Um, and that because you're always that joyful and you're always that happy, that that makes it possible for you to get through hard times and that the hard times aren't really as hard for you because you have this like indescribable joy um, but but that's not really true. Um, I, I know that you've you've talked with me um, about um, some really some really dark times, um, and I, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Um, but some some points where you were at some really low lows, and and what you did in those moments to uh, to see light in the darkness, and it's really important um, for everybody that's listening to, to know this, that when there's darkness, there is always, always light. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very important to raise awareness. And there was a time where I was an, at an all-time low and I didn't see a prospect in my future. And I was um, thinking about um, ending it all. You were, you thought about you thought about suicide. Yes, and I was I was really young. I was only about 13, 14 years old. And you know when when you're a teenager, it's it everything is so you're so narrow-minded. Everything seems like the end of the world. But uh, to me it did feel that way. I felt like there's nothing I could do. I think that's the important thing to point out is that it doesn't really matter if other people and anybody would look at your story and say that's incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but for somebody who's in that dark place, it doesn't really matter what got them there. The, the reality is that's how you felt, um, Absolutely. that there really wasn't, there really wasn't a prospect. There really wasn't a, there really wasn't going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, um, that happens to people at all ages and in all different stages of life. Yes. Um, what, what was the turn for you? What, what was the thing that, that made you go, you know, um, I'm going to dig deep and do what I need to do. Um, how did life conquer for you? How did life creep in and win for, for you? For me, it was uh, just taking a step back, breathing, thinking and thinking and just remembering that my mother is sick. I need to take care of her. My little brother is, he needs someone as well. Uh, my family's here. I have friends. And just 
that this is not the end. Like, you are so young. There's still life ahead of you. All these amazing things that you love are going to disappear. And you're you're going to disappear. And it's just so... You, you, you haven't left an imprint in this world big enough to satisfy you. And it's just this feeling of maybe there's something more another step another breath and just wait a little longer just think just think about everything you're losing and just comparing everything I love to everything I could lose it, it was an unmatched battle I didn't want to lose any all of the all of those things my family my friends things I love like music food so you say wait wait 10 minutes <laughs> wait 10 minutes and see what might happen in the next 10 minutes. Uh, and, and now you've waited years and has the wait, has it been worth the wait? Oh yeah. Has it paid <laughs> yeah. off? It's amazing. I love my life right now. It's, it's incredible. And it's, it, it's just so crazy to think at some point in my life, I wanted it to end. It's without, see, without knowing what might've happened in the future. And that's, that's the important thing. I think it's just realizing that there's more. There's always more. So, Vera, I have a question for you. You go through all these incredibly significant moments in your life. They can't be easy. Um, you have a huge culture shock when you move here. You're at a very young age. I mean, teen years aren't easy for teenagers, let alone teenagers who move to a country where not their language it's not their friends their family's not there so what were you practicing then to keep you strong and keep you going and what do you practice now that you have been through all of that and you have new challenges ahead of you so um back then of course it was a, a great culture shock america is not like glee it's not exactly like glee but um what i practiced was i focused on things i can control so my schoolwork, my job, just focus on things I can, I have in my control. Um, everything else followed, just getting a better friends socially. And now, nowadays, I have several things that I practice that really help me out. It's a goals, I have a goals board, which is really helpful for me. And just seeing your goals, like just marking them off. The goals board is amazing. Uh, long term, long term, short term. They're very helpful in just inspiring you. I like reading about inspirational people, uh, watching videos about them. Some of my biggest inspirations are Oprah. <laughs> so that's a good so, one. So basic. <laughs> yeah. Oprah, J.K. Rowling, <laughs> and um, is Hugh Jackman on your list? He's okay. Oh my gosh, he's totally on my list. <laughs> I love Hugh Jackman. <laughs> He's cool. So what do you, t I mean, so you're looking for other people's strengths that you can mirror in yourself. Absolutely. Yes. That is, um, I love doing that. I love, um, I, it's not just celebrities. It's mostly celebrities. That's why but I do Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Hugh Jackman mirrors me. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, finding strength in other people helps me feel stronger like if they overcame something obviously then I can as well and it's not just celebrities people around me my mom is a big inspiration my grandmother um, my friends um, 
um, all of them that went through hardships, it helps me feel like I can do it. What do you want people to know about you and your victory and uh, and your glory? I feel glorious. 